Tobin. My name is Brian, here with Don and Cred. At least most of our health is uh, in line. We're happy to be here with you. Our portfolio health might not be in line. Go to weeklyoven.com slash FTX where you can uh, trade there directly from one asset to the other. Track your portfolio, dollar cost average in or out, whichever direction you think this market. Thanks to them for being our partners. Go to weeklyoven.com slash FTX. Let's get to the show. Grad, you're on the left. How you doing? Um, I'm okay. You know, I came back from NFT NYC, which was great fun with, with a bit of a tickle in my throat. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, it's fine. You know, there's always a cost to attending these crypto super spreader events and whatever. I'll be fine. And then I've, I've become progressively worse. Uh, I look and feel like a mutant ape at the moment. <laughs> which is maybe a fitting kind of uh, end result. But overall, you know, whatever, I'll be fine. The markets are interesting enough, and let's hope I'm around to see them in the next few weeks. How are you? I'm doing well. I am uh, probably gave you COVID, and I'm now recovered. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Unless, we, unless I got it in Austin and you didn't, or you presented later. I don't know. Don't know how these things work, but there are no good or right answers when it comes to this stuff, right? Nevertheless, I went through the same process and uh, finally got over it. Um, definitely was a, a spreader myself, I believe. Um, Don, how are you? I mean, I haven't met any of you, so good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's I'm... unrelated to COVID. That's just like a personal note about both of us. <laughs> to be of fair, course, I wasn't yeah. trying to give it to people. I just didn't have symptoms until later. And then everyone around me also got COVID. <laughs> yeah, I feel like every single time we get these these events, everyone gets COVID. And really bad, too. Like I've, I've heard so many horror stories of people just being sick for a week or two. Like, properly sick, sick. Um, so, yeah. I've been I've been staying away, um, living life. So yeah, it's been good. Besides the market, everything's been excellent, actually. Um, besides the market, yeah, uh, markets are legacy markets in the U.S. are closed today. I presume mm-hmm. the rest of the world is still open because it is not there. <laughs> They're just <independent> <laughs> yes. Um, but there's a little little hint of 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 green. Uh, in crypto markets, um, futures not doing too much. Don, you want to give us the lay of land? Putting this Bitcoin chart in linear is <laughs> giving me palpitations yeah, in the wrong it's, way. Uh, it's kind of crazy, right? Like looking at it, how far it's down already. That's yep. quite bad. Um, but yeah, we're still at that. Like people have been saying, like, oh, we closed below 20K, yada, yada. Um, I don't really think that matters too much. We're still in the same area, right? And if you look at the closes, we actually closed exactly at um, the level, uh, the all-time high level, right? So if you're already like freaking out because we're below 20K and close that way, I don't really think that makes too much of a difference. Still at support. Um, now, whether that's going to hold or not, uh, I don't <laughs> want to make any promises. Uh, I'm still positioned. Um, but yeah, we're still at support. Nothing's really changed from last week. Uh, I, I think I said on this show actually last week that I've, Think it's going to round out into the support um so far so good uh i hope that kind of actually rounds out and doesn't just completely fall through um but i'm weirdly optimistic honestly like i'm looking at the market and i feel like uh it's time to mean revert uh could be wrong on that front obviously but i don't like i'm not panicking at all i just feel relaxed um 
obviously not fun to see see uh, prices go down and down and down and down only. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm optimistic for now on like on the weekly the same story really on on any other time frame. Uh, I think the daily like if this kind of continues to round out, don't really see too much of a problem. Um, that said, like on a daily, if you want to play the momentum, I think um, you can play it here. Uh, momentum playing hasn't really been going too well. I'm just glad I just positioned myself and haven't done too much. But I think if you're doing it, um, looking for kind of a trigger, uh, closing above 20, 21K, uh, at that point, it starts looking better again. But the last few setups that were like moment, momentum kind of setups, didn't really play out too well, so not entirely sure if that's gonna, if this is gonna gonna trigger either. So I'm just positioned doing nothing really, um, besides like trading the altcoins around a little bit. But have y'all noticed? It feels like we're starting to do that thing where the volatility dries up, and can't tell if it's just consolidation before the volatility increases a lot, or if it's like that 2018 style volatility where we're just gonna go sideways and punish people in both directions for months. Yeah, it's yeah, probably going to dried up completely. Like, look at the four-hour yeah. chart, for example, over the last couple of days. It's yeah, I, I thought my trading view was frozen for a while. <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite yeah. Bitcoin like fifty cent ticks back and forth, but it's not. It's not great. Yeah, every time um, the market markets close, it gets really bad, like traditional markets. Um, but even when they're open, it's like it's uh, much much less so i think it's probably going to be a mixture of both like we're going to kill people in both directions um i'm not entirely sure if we're going to go up first or down first um but i think we're going to kill like people on the on the on that bet basically on sideways and then we're going to go sideways or the other way around i, I don't think there's going to be like a straight move back to 50k and i don't think there's going to be a straight move to 10k but a lot of people kind of seem to be suspecting that i think 20k um just by virtue of it being the old all-time high the old cycle uh just makes a lot of sense to spend time here um whether it's bullish or bearish like oh cred jesus fucking christ <laughs> <laughs> oh, i'm so no, i'm muted there's no way you can hear that oh we can uh, hear that you're definitely not <laughs> muted oh i'm sorry yo okay I'm gonna go just cower in shame now can the audience hear that though that's what's important I, I was muted on the Restream thing. Oh, Surely they can't hear my sniffling. I, I no. could. Yeah, you guys I don't give a shit about. You're gonna sit here and listen to me vape, snort, <laughs> hit my head, put my head through the drywall. But as long as the audience is fine, then the show is good to go. Oh. <laughs> the chat is confirming that they could also hear. Oh, great. Um, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But yeah, I think like just by, <laughs> by look, that's really, just a that's natural just reaction. No, that's no, Cred's market reaction. summary. Well, yes, but it's also a natural reaction to me hearing Don say anything. He's like, so I think I'm like, <laughs> meaningless conjecture. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I think just based on it being the, the cycle high, um, it makes sense to spend time here. So that's probably what we're going to do um, with some volatility at some point, but uh, I wouldn't expect too much. Um, but yeah, I'm, I remain positive. Uh, don't really see a reason not to, just based on the fact that uh, we've been waiting for this level for ages. Now we're there. Um, might as well do business there. Craig, do you have any uh, anything else to add to that? No, I think I've said it all, haven't I? <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, yeah, sure. F first things, apologies for that, obviously. Apparently, the mute button does nothing, which is uh, an interesting revelation. Thank God I found that out now, not during some of the other times on this call. Um, <laughs> as far as markets go, yeah, I didn't disagree with anything Don said there. Like, if I'm staying down at the pub and my mate was like, look, I'm long 20-ish and I want to sell 30-ish, because if that doesn't work, then it goes to zero and we all buy more or less the same levels anyway. I'd be like, yeah, fair enough. It's like a decent idea. Um, and, you know, it, I can screen share this for a second as well. Um, Chrome tab. No, not that one. Yeah, this one. Um, <laughs> one thing which I've spoken about, I think on this show on the way up, like back in the day on, on other shows as well, is that when the market is going up, one thing I like to do is to kind of cluster these moving averages together to give me an idea of like, if things even just mean revert, Am I happy giving back all the gains um, that the market's made from those clusters? So when it's on the way up and you see that the moving averages or whatever are clustered 20, 30, 40, 50% away from price, you kind of have to ask yourself, you know, if the market were to erase all of the gains and close that gap between where it is now and where those mean reversion targets are, am I comfortable like keeping the full exposure I've got right now? So it's not even like a trade idea per se. It's kind of a risk management check. Um, so that you're not caught totally flat-footed if you get what is by definition a counter-trend move, right? So if price is above and clear of all the moving average memes, you're thinking, am I fine with this haircut if the market goes down? And I think it kind of works in a similar way in reverse, where we are so far away from all of these like quite standard mean reversion targets that it should inform your decision. For example, do you want fresh short positioning here? Or like how shocking would it be if the market were to go up for like one to four weeks, whatever. Like maybe with the whole contagion macro backdrop, it would be shocking. But like, I mean, just look at some of this stuff. In terms of where we are now, 20K, the earliest higher time frame kind of trend proxy discounting the 200-week moving average, which I'm sure Ledger and I will make out about on this show given we, we've <laughs> talked about it every week. We're talking like 70 to 90% for what would be a kind of bearish retest on the higher time frames. Right. Even if you forget the moving average memes, if you look at higher time frame levels, where is the first kind of visible higher time frame bearish retest on the chart? Like it's all the way up at 30K, right? Because there's nothing else. There's kind of hot air otherwise. I mean, maybe you want 29, 28. That's a distinction without a difference. Even just like a bog standard bearish retest uh, is 60, 70% away from current price. That, that's kind of how strong and one sided and overwhelming this trend has been. So I'm still, <clears throat> excuse me not interested in kind of short positioning or anything like that. That's kind of not within my mandate. I don't want to babysit or manage those trades. I'm still looking for longs. Um, my criteria haven't been met. They're a tiny bit stricter, as I'm sure we can discuss. But like just in terms of overall market view, that's kind of how far we've come. That's how strong this trend has been. And as we've covered extensively, and I still think it's worth reiterating because it's true, there really aren't that many levels left where you can like take risk and then not feel like a dickhead if it goes wrong. Uh, 30K was one of them, 20K is one of them. And then if there's a meaningful break of 20K, I mean, 14, 12, 10, whatever, at that point, it almost doesn't matter because we're fighting for our lives, right? So I, I didn't think that we're particularly spoiled for choice in terms of levels we can poke and prod the market and not feel bad. And we happen to, be, happen to be at one of those inflection points. And so I think it makes sense to look for setups should they trigger. Um, for me, that probably takes one of two forms, or at least the more obvious one is I, I still quite like the 200-week moving average meme. Um, and I, I call it a meme, but at the end of the day, if, if market participants are using it as a proxy for trend or for positioning or you know 
adding, contributing to open interest as a result of this thing, then it's going to be relevant to me. Uh, and at the moment, unlike previous iterations or time span at this level, with a huge size of two more recently, but in the past <laughs> in general, um, the selling tends to kind of, at least in previous you know breakdowns, that's where it's kind of slowed down and started to churn, congest, congest and whatever else. Even if the reversal wasn't imminent, as you've kind of seen in the previous examples, we're talking like a couple months glued to this thing at least, that's more or less where it slowed down and then where you got your subsequently meaningful high time frame rallies. Uh, this time we've just been closing below it, which is kind of shitty. Uh, but that also means that if we reclaim that, all these consecutive closes, um, presumably acting on bearish signals, uh, a lot of that fresh shorting interest, open interest, or just that market view would be wrong. And I think that would be plenty of fuel uh, to actually offer the first meaningful mean reversion that we've had. And again, just just not understate how insane this trend has been. The only visible counter trend bounce that we've had since the top was Luna buying. And that was the thing that sent the industry to zero. Uh, <laughs> apart from that outlier event, which ended up being a contagion, 3AC, Black Swan, everything to zero, Celsius, Voyager, whatever. Like Apart from that one independent bout of buying, like if you were to erase the whole Terra Luna leg of their public Bitcoin buying, it's literally been down only since 35 weeks. Yeah, it, it's it's shocking. It's it, it's unbelievable in that regard. And, and so trading, you know, the classic joke that I take one trade every 10 years, etc. It's more like 20, so get your facts right. Uh, but it's been a good market where if you have slightly tighter entry preconditions, I, I, I at least have felt safe slash rewarded. And um, I, I don't feel there's a str you know strong evidence to support being early to this type of trend. Uh, so I need something. I need someone to get trapped. I need some sort of catalyst or for once just the you know, evidence of absorption and a failed breakdown as opposed to a real breakdown. And for me, the earliest place where that could happen now, well, it's either at those much lower apocalyptic support levels where we're all singing Kumbaya and buying together, or it has to be a failed breakdown of the 200 week, which is around 22K. So if that's going to happen, it has to be, I think, over the next few weeks. That'll be a great setup. If not, then I, I guess we we keep doing the same thing. And I agree with Don that you know 20K psychologically or even structurally, uh, it's, a, it's a decent spot to expect a bit of churn and a bit of slowdown. Yeah. <clears throat> I I've been watching this uh, 200 week pretty closely because, as you mentioned, uh, people like me like to look at it. Um, it's it's a tricky one because you you can use it obviously as like a here's your parma support. Um, sometimes people also just use things like that if they're more in the I'm reloading because I offloaded when things were too too good or whatever. And they're just trying to figure out where do I where do I DCA, DCA back from. Um, so essentially, instead of trying to consider it like a, a trend rally, it's more like a value, uh, a trend line. It's more like a value line. Um, so if you say historically, you know, that should be, well, the average price over a course of 200 weeks, right? So I'm getting it cheaper than the previous 200 week average of whatever whatever other people could have gotten it for. So if you're like convinced of I want exposure to crypto either way, then you could consider it that value line. That's also very copy uh, to talk about it that way. Um, but that does show up in some other kind of trend metric type stuff that you see. Um, <clears throat> I, I think it from a from a support perspective, 
it's definitely concerning that in its fourth test, um, it is not like capturing that line or like holding that line on the weekly basis. The closest analog there was, was the really first time that Bitcoin ever did that in August, 2015, where it's been a few weeks kind of grinding along that line. And the difference now, and this is what makes it hard using any kind of trend thing or moving average as some kind of exact science, like to the penny type of thing. Um, now, you know, we're like a 10% move away from it at <laughs> 15. So a 15% move to get back to that line um, is a is a little dicey. Like this is in a traditional, how do you think about these as a trend line perspective? That w- That is more of a, you sell that retest all day type of thing. You know, like it's broken, right? Like at yeah, face value, yeah. this thing was and has been good support from the available evidence. It's broken. Maybe it's discounted. Sure. Uh, if you bring up ETH for like a half second with the same thing, ETH USD, mm-hmm. uh, I think it did that exact underside kiss that you talked about. Yeah. At that level, right? It's yeah. kind of like you got the discounted entry below it, uh, and then it also capped the market to the upside, which which kind of sucks in the short term, right? Yep. And you know that could happen with with both of these again, right? You go back up there and then test the market again. You're essentially letting the market tell you whether it's interested in that at all. Um, On the flip side of it, using the same exact system, right? Um, This was, this was my conviction back then. I exited all markets in April, 2022 (laughs) smartly uh, because then they just went only down. And then I got back in at some point, um, unfortunately. But now if you go back to that same like faster trend line, it's 140%, but let's say it takes some time to get there. You're still looking at maybe 120% move in Ethereum Mm -hmm. to just mean revert to Don's point. Uh, So we're at this weird place where um, we really do have that that, that small gap, but the upside uh, or that small band until, you know, new lows, everybody's staring at whatever doom posting number they have now um, we keep moving them down. Right. It's uh, 14K now 14K seems optimistic to people and they're talking 10K, 8K, three, I've seen 3K. Yeah. They're they're bringing back all the levels. Um, But that mean reversion target, even in Bitcoin, I think is probably reasonably uh, 50 to 70% uh, and a hundred percent plus on, on a lot of other stuff. Um, So you're, classic kind of risk reward argument is pretty good at the same time like in a vacuum i don't like that consolidation you know like it's this is not a this is a very grindy bottom type of thing and it's also really only kind of one test in both directions and now we're sitting in the middle of it and i'm not even sure i'm going to believe the next iteration of the test up or down um so a big part of me thinks we could basically spend the entire month tricking people about which direction it's going to go. I don't know what stops us from that, I guess. Do y'all have any reason to think that this next move has to be imminent or do you think it could occur in August or I mean, it's literally a wasteland. It's just Don buying and Mashinsky selling into him. So I look forward to seeing who wins that one, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think it can take quite a long time. But like you said, the mean reversion, like we're down so much now, right? That the mean reversion alone is worthy to play right because sometimes, yeah, it's large yeah sometimes you have like these moves where like something moves down 30 percent 
and then the next resistance is 10% away and people try to play the mean reversion. And I'm like, okay, dude, this is like, this is trending, right? This is like clearly, and I mean, this is still the case, right? This is clearly trending down, this is down only, right? But the the value that you can capture if you caught, like if you caught the mean reversion only, right? It doesn't have to be like the bottom, just the mean reversion is so large that it makes sense, right? As like, just as a trader, if you believe that this thing isn't going to zero, because I think like if you're targeting 3K, um if you get to buy 3k uh it doesn't make any difference whether you would have bought 10k or 3k because it's going to zero afterwards like if you're targeting 3k i'm like 95 percent certain that like it wouldn't have mattered if you bought months and months ago before at higher prices because you're going to write this thing to zero um so you think so like, if bitcoin goes to if bitcoin goes to 3k it's dead forever i think so yeah i i don't think like i they with like speculation, like with, with something like Bitcoin, that's like, so like based on speculation, if you erase all of this and go all the way back down, and I've never said this like back in, back in 2018 or anything, like we had that argument come up when prices were low. Um, I didn't say it back then because like, that's not like an erased an entire cycle. Uh, and I think in this instance, like if it goes to 3k, there's so many rich people now in crypto that could buy so much that something catastrophically would have had to happen. Um, I mean, if you just look at how much stablecoins there are out there, right? Uh, I think just measuring them up against each other, right? The market cap of crypto against the market cap of uh, stablecoins. Uh, if if we go to 3k, uh, you're going to have much, much more stablecoins than, than market cap in crypto. Right. Yeah, it's um, also about a ninety-six percent drawdown. I think. Yeah. yeah, like at that point, I think you're just being unreasonable, right? And people are keep moving the prices that they want to be buying lower and lower and lower. Um, and then I think at some point, like the lower, you, like at some point, it doesn't make much sense anymore because, like I said, you're basically betting on this experiment failing, and then you want to buy the moment it's basically failed. So I think. That is stupid. Obviously, uh, there's higher levels than 3K. So, like, if you're targeting like sub 10K, I think it's very, very, very unlikely, but not necessarily death of it all. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to kind of mention that because I've seen like some stupid shit floating around where people are just like, yeah, I'm going to buy a shitload when this thing basically goes to zero. And it's like, I, I, I don't think that's very smart. Um, but yeah, to like your point of does this have to move immediately? I don't think so. Um, this could like go, I think like just looking at it, um, and looking how previous, like this doesn't have, like I said, this doesn't have to be like a long-term bottom, but how previous like bottoms have kind of played out, I think it take a while. Right. And in this instance, um, it took, uh, us basically after the crash, it took us 140 days. Um, so like 20 weeks that would take us all the way, um, to like, um, yeah, October, basically. I do think that that uh, fractal, if you will, um, would be the type of thing that's completely reasonable and we troll everyone two years from now who didn't buy that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like We've hit a point where it could re realistically be a bottom. Yeah, um, I think so. I think it's not very, very, like, it's not, like, something I would say, like, okay, it's more likely to be bottom than not, like a long, long-term bottom. But I think the chances of this being a bottom, like a longer-term bottom is actually like quite significant, like not in my head anyway. Like that's that's the, the kind of mindset I'm going at it. 
um, where I'm like, okay, this could be the bottom. I don't really care too much because I'm just trading it. Um, but I think the fact that no one's even targeting new all-time highs, like no one even dares to talk about it anymore. Um, the the very, very brave people talk about a mean reversion like a above double. like 20K, right? Yeah. I mean, even the double is like, that's like very crazy people talking. Yeah. And then you have like people like us or like, for example, like I'm bullish and I'm saying like 28K. This is like the mean reversion, like the most bearish thing you could get, right? Um, and that's my target. And I'm being kind of like, well, I'm saying like I'm, I'm the biggest bull around. It's like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> that's like not a move for Bitcoin, right? That's like one weekly candle, like in percentage terms that we've had in, in the last uh, few years. Like there's been bigger weekly candles than, than that. Uh, so... Yeah. One, there's several challenges in terms of trying to call that. Um, one is the whole recession risk thing. And what's crazy is there's very little, um, there's very little pushback that we're either already in a recession or going into like a deep, deep recession. Um, I think actually markets are kind of pricing in at least some, some degree of recession already um, in, in legacy markets. And there's there's not a lot of consideration for well what if it's not <laughs> you know and those are the scenarios where you know all of a sudden some form of like softish landing does happen to work and yada yada and you know we get a much bigger move or <clears throat> uh the economy doesn't go straight to zero like the economy itself might take its time to um go through its pain um, or, or maybe we've peaked in terms of its pain and we've already essentially priced in and maybe may have another year or two of, of slow economic activity, but we've basically uh, kind of met the conditions from a market perspective to price that in. Like I was hearing people talk about Facebook being a value stock now, like from a definitionary uh, definition standpoint. Um, there's a lot of interesting stuff like that as well. And you have, I think you do have to have some of that line up because if um, a, tr a str big time weaken weakening economy is not fully priced in in stocks, then cryptos probably it might bottom first, but it, it's probably got more downside. Um, I keep I keep fail I keep looking at the dollar. Um, the gosh, this thing has just been so strong. It's definitely lost a little bit of momentum, but um, there's nothing that I really look at up to a monthly point of view and think like, Oh yeah, this is definitely going to nuke like 10% now. Um, the only real thing I can, I can look at in that regard <clears throat> is if you look specifically at the Euro USD largest component, uh, also seems ripe for a mean reversion or some kind of activity for this. Essentially it's, it's almost at parity right now. Um, so if it defends that basically, um, and yeah, I don't know. It's just you bring up a funny point with the macro stuff, and I agree with you completely. It's like the same people, <clears throat> excuse me, who are completely railroaded by the macro shift in conditions and inflation, recession, tightening, etc. It's like the same group of people that got completely blindsided and shafted by that move are now the Fed experts who are fully confident in like <laughs> recession and infinite tightening and this, that, and the other. It's like, hold on, what qualifies? you for me like what why should i take your opinion seriously right like you got this wrong you, you're on the wrong side of this so your predictive like if your predictive power as the future was so great 
you wouldn't have round tripped your portfolio because of macro. But now that you have, I'm supposed to listen to you on macro. It doesn't make any sense, right? Uh, I think some humility as to the larger forces at play and headwinds or whatever else is, is definitely warranted. You and I talked about ages ago, Ledger, how the 50 IQ trade might be one of the best ones, at least from a timing point of view, which is, you know, long easing, you know, and de-risk tightening, and then just keep yeah. running that back over and over. And it's very unlikely you catch the bottom doing that because markets, whatever, forward looking, future discounting and all that type of stuff. But there's going to come a point where Powell or the Fed, whatever, in some unambiguous form are going to say, okay, we're going to start supporting the economy or buying shit or whatever else. And I think the participants who are going to take that signal seriously, just like those who took the opposite end of that seriously, uh, will end up doing quite well, even if it's not like the Donald Pico bottom type and, of thing. And as we found this time and, and previous times, it's not a matter of when that actually starts necessarily. That's an impact for sure. Like we saw more aggressive selling when it, tightening actually started having you know rates actually started rising but the notice that tightening will not occur forever and our balance sheet drawdown will not be something that we do forever um can be enough to kind of signal things especially especially in the derivative markets which crypto is one of those right of of mac bigger macro markets um so all it really takes truly is a sentence or two from jay powell to like uh get people slightly less uh hawkish and um and off your off you go you know there's your mean reversion move at and, a bare and they've moment. been unambiguous right like yeah when we were really sitting are. around in austin you know central banks were like there's pain coming ahead and we're sat there wondering yeah. i wonder what's going to happen to asset prices yeah. damn this is so cryptic and you know uh is this a coded message it's like no no especially with their credibility threatened by how late they were to combating yeah, the inflation. transitory meme really the transitory me. meme absolutely butchered them right uh, and and so i think that'll be corrected for in much clearer and ambiguous language i mean that also means they take the inflation threat very seriously and probably have slash will overcorrect which is fine but the overcorrection dump maybe gets a overcorrection pump eventually as well right yeah and i think just trying to think logically through what's what's going to make things ugly um you can look at some seasonality stuff so inflation obviously is not transitory but inflation comes in different ways right there's the um the price that you pay for things at walmart and then there's the price like at the source so uh what farmers pay for fertilizer and and fuel and uh and you know the access that we have to wheat like the true basic necessities for human beings and i think actually that's where we could start to see some cracking in inflation is where those are going different directions so like your your toys or like cheap crap are now oversupplied from an inventory perspective at your big box stores and whatnot so that type of stuff becomes cheaper because nobody wants those things but you're like things that essentially people are not going to change their their uh usage of um like they're not significantly able to change the amount of natural gas they use during the winter when they're going to need that or they're still going to need to do their commute or they're still going to need to make bread <laughs> you know like those goods the uh supply chain issues the inflation issues all the things that have compounded and created this like perfect storm of price escalation could continue so you could have inflation con uh, really continue for basic 
necessities, especially through these important seasons, you know, whether it's uh, summer travel season or like fall for, you know, as uh, people are going to need to turn their heaters back on, like pretty depressing stuff. But I could also see that being the kind of climactic inflationary prints and, um, and, and that's kind of your recessionary quarters. You have a two, three, four months or two, three, four quarters of a slower economic output. And then you kind of turn, turn the tide uh, next year. But there's nothing that stops markets essentially front running a lot of that stuff because I think we are pricing in like really significant pain along those lines for, um, you know, for the for the most of this up, upcoming year. What do y'all think about that? Yeah, I can do a final bit of macro lopping. Um, yeah, that's all I'm really doing as well. It's just oh, I'm just happily. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the only other thing on my radar is um, my understanding is July seasonality for equities has been really good um mm -hmm. just in general but the reason for that like has been or have yeah the reason has been earnings sort of across april july Oof. we've got that coming up as far as economic calendar things go so we'll get a chance to see how well or how poorly firms have adjusted to these conditions and so if you want your kind of macro type of catalysts either you know trend continuation because everything looks bleak or worse than expected or maybe a bullish surprise which is a cursed phrase to use nowadays uh, <laughs> we've got that to look forward to uh pretty much this month so the argument being well you know if we have some sort of correlation with equities and july is good for equities maybe equities go up and we go up with them i think there's reasons to be at least skeptical of that premise one is because on the correlation front we haven't been enjoying the upside that the s p has enjoyed on its rallies right crypto contagion and the supply overhang and whatever else has meant that when it's to the downside, we kind of play along. Uh, and when an S&P pumps to the upside, uh, we've sort of been lagging. I'm sure Don can tell you all about that. He's had a fun time calling the S&P 500 perfectly and trading BTC instead. Um, but the second reason to be skeptical is, yeah, I mean, if earnings are the driver of a bullish seasonality and earnings come out to be crap, then that argument becomes slightly less persuasive. But that, that that's the real reach of my um, pseudo knowledge of macro stuff. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that. That actually makes a lot of sense. Something that I want to talk about is um, because a lot of people keep talking about like Bitcoin has to kind of follow the macro or whatever, right? And um, if you quickly like show my screen, um, if you kind of compare the two, right? So like Bitcoin's trading back at 2017 highs, right? Exactly 20K. If you compare that with the S&P, if the S&P went there, right? That would be basically dropping... 30% uh, from here, right? So that you could either make the argument, okay, this is like hilariously weak. And I mean, I think that's definitely true. But you could also make the argument that Bitcoin basically front ran a lot of it. Um, and um, we're all like, like this is so far away from um, from where the S&P is just in, in comparison. That you could also make the argument that, yeah, we just basically front ran it. Um, and we could decouple just or like hold levels like this because we've already gone through much, much more. Like we've gone through such a huge drop already uh, in comparison that um, just being like, okay, the macro is really shit. And I mean, I do agree on that front. And this could all just be me coping. Um, but you could make the argument that we've gone through most of it already just based on that, right? Because, yeah, it's on the one side, it's definitely weakness because we drop more and that's usually something I look out for. Um, but it's also 
Um, it's just weird, right? When you're like, okay, the S&P is going to go down like all the way to that level. I mean, what, what are we going to do uh, if we just want to one correlate the entire way down and where are people going to get the coins to sell? Um, I, I don't know. It just kind of seems weird, right? Like if, if this tiny drop has already led to this and you make the argument that uh, it's just going to be more of that all the way through, then yeah, you would have to expect it to go like to like near zero levels, I guess. Um, and that just seems very, very unlikely to me. But maybe I'm just like sitting in my position being like way too comfortable just looking at this. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting that we are so, so far away, like so much weaker um, or have been anyway. And um, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm underestimating how bad it is just based on the fact that I haven't been in the market since like the highest and just jumped in now. Um, but yeah, I look at these kind of things and I'm like, okay, I think we've gone through the majority of the drop already um, in crypto. But yeah, you can kind of put that as you want, basically. Yeah. I mean, I when I just look at things from a chart perspective on the S&P, it, it really looks like it wants another uh, 6, 7, 8% to me. Um, that would Up be or down. a down. Um, in at least in terms of trying to make a bottom, like so, the up portion of that would feel temporary. Um, if it was kind of up in the meantime, if you will. So, like, I, you know, after a you're on a monthly chart, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so after a down month like that, you could revert halfway up that candle and then make your way back down. But that next kind of cluster that you're in, um, 3,500 or so on SPX, um, or 350 or whatever uh, on SPY. There's that cluster back from late 2020 that the market made new highs and then went into like absolute mayhem territory to the upside. Um, a retrace of that all feels very likely. It's also right where the 250 week moving average is and also some other trend stuff that I look at on like weekly timeframes. Um, <clears throat> so, that's that's the hard part that I have. And cred, you bringing up July earnings. I'm really not optimistic for <laughs> earnings season, um, and I'm not sure what the market's priced in. So it doesn't, you know, I don't really know. Like if if the market is expecting extremely positive earnings, still, my personal guess though would be that a lot of sectors are going to start really rolling off their earnings, and and you're going to see a decent amount of. Um, a decent amount of, of profitability going down and, and whatnot uh, from an earnings perspective. Um, this is completely just a side thing, but I was talking to a home builder who had a, they were talking about how they had a really, really good 2020 because everybody was going nuts. Right. Um, but they said that they, in 2021, they actually really struggled because they basically just couldn't keep up from a pricing perspective with the cost of goods to them. So when you have that interesting situation that a lot of businesses do where like your pricing may be locked in, but people you're buying from on a shorter time scale for production are like raising their prices on you, it can put a lot of strain on your business. And even though it's a business where people are still spending a lot of money, it makes it hard to be profitable. I think that actually has a reasonable translation to a good number of industries. But if you're going to pick one industry, home building is a reasonable one to do so, <laughs> you know? Um, and I think that's one of my, 
one of my fears for this market is either people can't, they don't have enough volume because there wasn't enough supply, like too much of the supply shock issues. Then the prices go up and it makes it hard for them to keep up with their own prices. Um, and I think those things can be a, quite a hindrance on an earnings season. Um, so again, macro LARPing, speculating, whatever. I've always tried to do that. I've tried to blend in the, a macro analysis to whatever else I'm doing. And I think that could that could be maybe it's what puts the brakes on our little mean reversion potential for crypto, or maybe it's what gives us the break to the downside. Um, I, I do think y'all are both dead on that we pro, like we went a lot faster than the legacy market did. So I could totally imagine us bottoming faster. Um, I would like I would actually like to see that. It'd be it'd be good. It'd be good if we could like find some trends there, some patterns there. You know, mm-hmm. we've done it before. Like it's not like this is like unprecedented where crypto like um, bottoms before legacy does. Um, I mean, during the COVID crash, uh, we had like we had a, a bottom, obviously by just a few weeks, but um, still, right? A uh, few so, weeks is a lot, though. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it is. It is, and I mean, um, that said, like we bottomed with such like with such speed and then had like such a huge rally immediately afterwards that it's like hard to compare it to right because this one it's the slower brother basically right you had like this thing uh and now what i'm expecting is like something wrong um Mm. so like it's pretty tough to kind of compare the two but yeah i i actually really like that if we manage to put some strength into crypto that isn't necessarily or has not it doesn't have to be like reflected in the traditional markets because that's really the only reason to to trade crypto right if you trade crypto as if it is just a a, kind of like a vehicle for trading the S&P might as well just trade the S&P and I mean I'd be much much happier if I traded the S&P the last few weeks because I've been dead on on it (laughs) (laughs) and uh, crypto hasn't followed suit but still like at some point right and I know this just like kind of sounds copy but 100% at some point we're going to decorrelate again uh, and then people are going to be like, but macro, but macro, but macro, and shit's going to go either like much, much higher uh, than the macro, or it's going to go much lower. Uh, I, and I think like, it's just discounting that um, entirely by just kind of shitting on people that have a different opinion than, than you do. It's just kind of like the stupid thing to do. I the, like. the end result to me is that most fiat currencies are going to end up continuing to devalue as they are... Um, forced to do things if the economy truly does go bad. And I think that'll that'll put more attention on risk assets, alternative currency assets, like all that's good for crypto in my mind. Uh, it's just a weird way to think about it, but I guess it's it's almost dollar milkshake-ish. Uh, and hopefully I don't make cred cringe too much talking about that. Um, one other random thing that I thought of because I heard it on another podcast was apparently ARK, um, Kathy Woods ETF is still getting like record inflows. <laughs> so terrifying. Actually. Is that terrifying? Like, yeah, that like, is terrifying. Stuff like that scares me. <laughs> yeah. Like it Eiffel towered and apparently people are still buying, still, still believe. And, uh, that gives me some hesitation for like tech's ability to do anything anytime soon. Like, We've seen this in other markets, right? Where you have a five-year, multi-year period. I mean, I guess NASDAQ itself did it, right? Um, Took a really, really long time to ever make a new all-time high after 2001. 
never made a high in, even in the uh, Great Recession. So um, maybe maybe tech gets pummeled in that, but that doesn't mean that crypto and tech have to be the same thing, um, like Web2 tech that's all those public companies. So anyway, pretty amazing the SPIs or the ARK ETF is doing that. Um, I guess we could we can kind of summarize what we're hoping for. We didn't really talk about news. Was there any real updated news versus what we talked about before? I guess the BlockFi thing was confirmed more than anything. Was there any other kind of news that y'all y'all were interested in that I mean, you think could impact like, the market? Besides like other parts of like the crypto industry just going broke left and right. I don't think like <laughs> nothing that would actually surprise you anymore because like you just look at pretty much the, the lending market and everyone's just belly up, right? Um, and every single day there's some new story on that front. But yeah, I don't, I, I think on that front we're through the most of it just because pretty much everyone's wrecked now. There really yeah, there was no another point. insolvency or, you know, client withdrawals. And I think it was Vold, V-A-U-L-D. Yes, they yeah. halted mm -hmm. client withdrawals and got some restructuring lawyers uh, which aren't things you do if you've got a lot of money and you're financially healthy. Aren't they like in India or something like that? They're in Singapore, which Singapore. is the oh, epicenter yeah. of all so the we know good what stuff there. in crypto. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, it's been unbelievable. I just uh, Shocking. And also my favorite bit of news is uh, Plan B, the stock to flow <laughs> expert, was posting uh, his Bybit ref link uh, on his feed <laughs> saying, you know, 90% of his crypto is in cold storage and 10% he uses on Bybit, presumably. To get liquidated. For no, uh, yeah. no, no, he was very nonchalant about it. He was like, oh, you know, just some trading, just some passive income. Because we know trading is so easy. You just load up a Bybit account and boom, passive income. So that, that was quite fun to see. Just tra um, trade the five minute on a stock to flow model. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Just on chain <laughs> stock to flow scalping in the London session. That, that's how you really make it. I um, mean, the, yeah. the, the thing is with that, right, is you kind of realize how full of shit he has to be uh, when he does something like this. Because if you like truly believe in stock to flow and like prices going to infinity, uh, you would not risk it by like margin trading like that, um, in my opinion anyway. So it's just kind of basically just trying to like make money out of his followers. It's kind of my uh, fault, but or, or he's underwater himself. Like, yeah, I mean, doesn't have enough. I mean, he's trying to make it all back in one trade. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would guess that's the reason because, I mean, you've seen a lot of people like even on crypto Twitter, right? You see a bunch of people start like NFTs now or like do like um, shill more and more ref links, all that kind of stuff. Um, start their paid groups. I mean, it's really not surprising, right? It happens very, every single cycle. Yeah, very people, bare market material. Yeah. People are like uh, wrecked. They don't want to kind of admit it, um, but they still have to to kind of make or like try to make it back somehow. And if they're completely wrecked, they just start something like that. It's happened over and over and over again. You see it all over the place. And I always find it funny when those exact same people kind of like pretend like um, they're so cool. I, I hate that so much, um, but is what it is. If, if you start calling out every single one of them, you would never hear the end of it. So it's like not really worth it um, because it's I mean, not going to change either. Uh, Bitcoin only people, Bitcoin maxis, they probably are down um, spirit-wise as much as anyone. You know, because like they just didn't get significant gains this cycle, and then they gave them all back, like completely yeah. back to the prior highs. <laughs> and, 
unless they were, God forbid, willing to sell some and do some stuff for their regular life, which uh, Peter McCormack got trolled consistently forever doing that, <laughs> then they're just sitting there right now underwater versus what they were like four years ago. Um, so that's not, that's a painful place to be. I mean, that whole premise is so insane to me still to conceptualize that we're at 2017 prices. Cause I vividly remember like all of 2017, 2018, just like whatever my entire crypto history. Like if you look at Bitcoin, uh, the reason the 2018, 2019 bear market was so scary is because there was no prospect of any serious money ever buying this damn thing, right? So uh, when it crashed in 2018 and went through that bear market, I remember I was speaking to Donald about this at the time. You know, I was feeling like existential dread uh, about like, wh why would anyone buy this now, right? It was a purely retail driven market. Retail got purely obliterated uh, and there's no kind of uh, institutional holder base or backstop or whatever else. And, you know, crypto native wealth like the desks and prop firms were a fraction of what they are now. It's like, who's going to come touch this thing? And it was the same thing for ETH, right? It was like, um, it ended up just being a conduit for illegal securities, fundraising, offerings, whatever. Fat protocol thesis, they're all selling their treasury, everything nukes, nothing was built, it all went to zero. And you're looking at this thinking, oh my God, like, why would anyone like ever buy this thing again? Uh, and you didn't have DAOs, NFTs, DeFi, any of that type of stuff uh, at the time, which, you know, obviously makes the conviction harder to hold. But it's just absurd and hilarious to think from a price point of view, all the kind of quote unquote progress we've made in the fundamentals, like, you know, the institutional adoption and holder base of Bitcoin uh, with ETH, everything we built on top of it, um, it. It's like it never happened. It wasn't real. It's like, hey, wake up, buddy. Let's read this ICO white paper and see what Ian Bellina thinks. That's where we're at. It was a very different market. And also, yeah, the average participant had way less money. Um, yeah, it's it's insane, actually. Like when I think of what a lot of money was then versus what we consider a lot of money today, it's completely different conversations. Yeah, even with the participants, right? Like if you yeah, talk with like people we know. Really, yeah. I, I mean, mean, I don't owe Voyager hundreds of millions of dollars, so I consider myself <laughs> rich in this in this market environment. Don't know about you guys. Yeah, but, yeah. But like to like what I said earlier with like the stablecoin market cap and like the crypto market cap, right? You look at this and you have like USDC and USDT together, right? They have like a market cap of of uh, ETH now, right? Like this insane, like if these prices, like if we have like Bitcoin at 10K and ETH at 400 or something, you're going to see the stable coins actually eclipse. Um, you're going to see the stable coins eclipse or like be exactly the same as the value that we have of the, of the major um, cryptocurrencies, right? And then that's all kind of money sitting on the sidelines, just waiting for stuff to get better. Which, I mean, that is really, really tough to be, like, too bearish on unless you just think, yeah, um, Tether or, like, USDC is going to blow up, which I don't think either either one of them is going to happen. We are basically wondering how bad, how bad can it get, but all of us seem to think that generally in the long-term scheme of things, these are pretty good prices. <laughs> you're, just <afraid>. yeah. <laughs> you're just afraid of the potential minus 50% more. Um, yeah, this is why like like stablecoins are blowing up, right? Like you've you had like the Luna stablecoin blow up. So like if you're worried about crypto going to zero, you wouldn't have your money in stablecoins. So this is like money that wants to be in crypto. Um, yeah, I think if you generally 
I've been thinking a lot about this because I do have exposure to stable coins, uh, like important exposure, you know. Um, but if you think crypto is not going to die, if you think not everything is a scam, like at some point you got to just let it ride, um, then I think that in the long term, we will look at prices below prior all-time highs. So below 20K, below say like 12, 1300 for ETH, $1,000 for sure. I think below 20K, below $1,000, we're going to look back on those unless, unless crypto is in a turbo nuclear winter scam. And those will be really, really good prices with a long lens. Um, it's just there, all the, the, so much liquidity is gone. So much buying power is gone. So much willingness to participate is gone. That's, that's what makes it hard to say like, okay, but it's a good price right now. Like it's a, it could be a good price on a five-year horizon, but not be a good price right now. And that's essentially all we're trying to determine on this show for the coming, coming year. Mm -hmm. At what point will it be a good price right now? Yeah. And then you're going to have to figure out at what point, like how, and this is like always interesting, like from a game theory kind of perspective, how you're going to get these people um, that are sitting in stable coins. Like let's say like 25% of that, wants to flow back into the market. It's just waiting for like better conditions. And I think it's more than that. Uh, like how do you get them to kind of redeploy? Uh, and it's like an interesting kind of question to ask yourself. Um, because if you do like find an answer, uh, please make it happen. <laughs> I'm sitting, I'm sitting here. I want prices <laughs> to go up. Please pump my backs. But uh, yeah. Well, on that note, let's leave it there. Credit, do you have anything to close, uh, close out with? No, I think, I think we covered I think we covered most of it, to be honest. Um, you know, all three of us trade short term, medium term, medium term, long term, whatever. So we're obviously going to have a more, we're going to have a bias towards getting it right from a time and price perspective, because that pays the bills a lot of the time. Um, but yeah, from like an investment point of view, you know, as 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 we've said repeatedly, if if you're able to buy stuff or at least be liquid in the year where literally the entire industry contracts and the economy contracts and there's war and dollar goes up and commodities goes up and like everything was completely appalling. Like if you survive that, you'll be fine. You'll probably do quite well. Uh, but you do have to buy at some point. Uh, and it's worth bearing in mind that a lot of the bearishness and narratives and big public bears, etc. Some of them will never buy back. And for some of them, no condition will be good enough to ever be worth taking risk again. Like if it keeps dumping, they'll lower their targets. If it goes up, it'll be a dead cat bounce. If it's a reclaim, it's an echo bubble, micro strategy chart, whatever. Um, and, and, you know, at, at a certain point, you have to get give yourself exposure to the upside. Um, and, and it's just about with, with crypto, it's about being able to stomach uh, like, you know, we, we say survive a lot. And we've sort of used that tongue in cheek as in like, don't get liquidated. But we've seen with this crunch just how kind of broad that term is from lenders to centralized exchanges to project treasuries. Like surviving is actually pretty hard, uh, but, yeah. but like, you know, it's, it's not easy at all, like especially big, big, big names going down, all that type of stuff. Um, but yeah, you, I would say that you, you do have to buy stuff at some point and everything else is just being able to stomach volatility risk. Um, and that exists on both sides of the spectrum. Like, you know, you can buy a good level and in crypto, if it goes down 30, 50% of that, especially if you're doing business at like apocalyptic extreme levels, you should be fine with that. And then if the market has a 0.5% range for weeks, months, whatever, you should also be able to stomach that. 
I think as long when it comes to survival, yes, not your keys, not your coins, all the exchange stuff going down, that's important. Uh, but you should also be able to survive both ends of the volatility spectrum. And I think we're entering a period where that's becoming increasingly relevant. Uh, and for those purposes, that's why I think all, almost all of us uh, rely on spot exclusively to do that rather than derivatives. Uh, so maybe stay away from the plan B ref link. <laughs> Let's leave it there. Thanks so much, everybody, for being with us. We appreciate you joining us. No, it's not always the easiest message, but uh, we're trying to bring you the the best information that we can. Uh, go to weeklyopen.com to check this episode and more. Go to weeklyopen.com slash FTX. Stay off the leverage. Uh, DCA in, DCA out, whichever way you got to do it to survive. Until next time, thanks for being with us. We'll see you later. Be good. <laughs>